All right, everybody. Good morning, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Fresh off of a Super Bowl of a couple of weeks ago where the Kansas City Chiefs are defending champions yet again. So a chance to three-peat this season. A remarkable postseason for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And that defense really held up. Uh, look, better team won and uh, the more consistent team won. Uh, felt bad for San Fran, but uh, Purdy played well. They have nothing to uh, shame themselves about in, in a in a very good football game. Wiz, how are you today? Yeah, I'm doing well. It was a, it was a very, very good game. Um, yeah, just some unusual things happening in the game. You never know, quite sure what would have happened if, uh, you know, San Fran goes on there and uh, right off the bat, they, that first drive, I don't know, I wouldn't say like, it definitely changed the whole complexion of the game because it's kind of like the first drive, but you know, kind of like a little, it felt like 49 is a little deflated with uh, McCaffrey putting the ball on the on the ground, and um, especially the way the the 49 is really moving on that drive, and how they just kind of kept. Kansas City just has a knack of staying in these games and staying in these games, and then at the end of the day, you give Mahomes a chance, and uh, more often than not. Um, He's going to win the game. Yeah, amazingly, Wiz. So uh, in Super Bowls, I think, um, I can't remember the exact amount. So 52 and four, 56 times a quarterback has been down, you know, 10 or more points in a Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes is 3-1 and one in those Super Bowls. Uh, the rest of the quarterbacks are 4-48. and 48. Uh, So <laughs> to your point, um, you keep this quarterback around. And, and there were turnovers on both sides, and I agree with you. The McCaffrey was, uh, turnover there was slightly deflating, but we had Pacheco fumble one as well. Yeah. Um, I, I thought the most interesting thing was is how confused everybody was during the overtime because this was the first Super Bowl, uh, or actually maybe the first postseason game that involved overtime where this is after the hullabaloo uh, regarding when the uh, – Buffalo Bills weren't able to get up back on the field, so both teams take possession of the ball. It's a fresh new ball game. It's a new quarter. If that quarter still ends in a tie, it goes to the next quarter. But there are a lot of people that were extremely confused, including, by the way, multiple players on the San Francisco 49ers uh, who seem to be uneducated about it. But, you know, there were a lot of people that thought that Mahomes and the, and the Chiefs had to score because the time was running down. It's the Super Bowl. Somebody's going to – they're playing to win. That's It's a new football game. Uh, so it just would have went to another quarter. So I found it interesting that a lot of people were very confused about that. Yeah, there were – you know, it, it, what made it um, – added to the intrigue, if you will, is that was the first game where the actual new rule came into place of all games. The Super Bowl, the new rule uh, come into place about that exact point itself. But uh, – it was it was a it was a terrific uh, it was a, it was a terrific football game, but uh, you know, tough injuries too. For tough games. injuries for the Niners was I mean that you know yeah. the, the Greenlaw injury coming in coming onto the field just just unbelievable, right? And and this is not to take anything away from what the Chiefs did all season long, um, and really turned around their season because there was a point in time where many of us were questioning what was going on there, particularly offensively. But the defense, led by Steve Spagnola, uh, who becomes the – I think he's a four-time coordinator, um, Super Bowl champion, I think the only one of, of any any defensive-slash-offensive coordinator. Uh, and that defense played well and really was opportunistic all, the, all season long. Yeah, you know, looking back from it years from now, I'm sure – 
know, when we think about these Super Bowls, you know, at least the quarterback and some of these receivers and running backs come into mind, but man, Chris Jones in every one of these playoff games was able to get the, to the quarterback before he was able to make a big play. And in that overtime, they had run a perfect play for Jennings and he was wide open, but he couldn't, you know, Purdy just could not get the ball to him no. because Chris Jones was on top of him. And, uh, he deserves as much credit. You're going to talk about individual players. He really deserves as much credit as any player on the Chiefs roster. Probably save Mahomes, um, who individually um, could have changed the outcome of that game. Oh, yeah. No, no question. I mean, Purdy had zero time to respond. Um, it was, a, I, I guess, a missed block is what we want to call it. But he was right, right in Purdy's face. He had no time to see the open receiver. Uh, and he was forced to throw the ball away, and, and San Francisco had to settle for the field goal. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I do remember Wiz, you know, kind of in the in the 90s at one point, I think we can remember it was multiple Super Bowls that were lousy football games, right? Like, you, you just kind of wondered how lopsided it was going to be. But, you know, we've seen time and again in the last few years just, just a lot of outstanding Super Bowls. Uh, and, and I feel I'm, I think we should all, as football fans, fans, Feel fortunate about that. Uh, Chris Jones is a good segue and kind of where we're going with this particular podcast. You know, Wiz and I talk about this all the time about, you know, the, the fantasy season slash football season really does start right after the Super Bowl. We get into the combine coming up this week. Uh, then we go right into free agency. And, you, you know, there's a lot of offseason movement right now. And Chris Jones is going to be a prominent name. And, you know, that's kind of what Wiz and I wanted to talk about and just kind of, you know, just educate kind of what's happening out there uh, because there are changes in terms of structures as uh, salary caps and you know it will impact you know you want to think about when these players that are getting signed release contracts restructured tagged all that sort of stuff and and how it kind of plays into the strategy uh for fantasy as we head into the 2024 season yeah and just came out that the salary cap i mean it's incredible <laughs> uh I, I mean i i don't really pay so close attention to the jump, but I cannot remember a salary cap jumping thirty million, um, which happened this year, where basically uh, it went from like two twenty four to two fifty five, uh, so maybe even a little bit more than thirty million dollar um, increase for the salary cap. But it's very very important, especially when it comes to which teams have that cap space um, and have the ability to sign some key free agents and as I look at this especially at the running back position there are a lot of key free agents so you know it's it's really funny how the NFL um I, I've talked a lot about running backs on this podcast in terms of valuation and the NFL has kind of deemed it the same uh because the only two players that are ranked lower uh from a from a and, and this is just just to let people know you can only franchise tag a player two times there is something called a transition tag that's kind of rarely used, um, but there are tiers and there are amounts that you can that you can tag players for. And the running back is the second, uh, aside from kickers and punters, it is the second lowest category. It is now below a tight end. That's the first time that's happened, and it just goes to show you. And you mentioned there are going to be a lot of names, right? Henry, Barkley, Eckler, uh, Pollard, in terms of guys that are most likely going to be free agents and where they end up. Uh, next year remains to be seen. And I think it, it will be a fact, especially with the veteran guys, where I think I think teams will be patient about how they sign them. But, 
you know, at the end of the day, um, it, it is it is a seed change uh, in, in the NFL in terms of uh, we've talked about it as fantasy and, and NFL has gone the same direction. And I think teams are responding in terms of their strategy uh, and, and how they are going to view one and pay to the running back position. Yeah, I mean, look, when you look at this list of running backs that are available, you know, somewhat of a question about their age, you know, the big thing is the, you know, will will you pay a guy after he hits his 30th birthday or will the contract, you know, will you pay him even if his contract is going to be where he's going to be over 30 during the contract? But the list of names on this list and some of them you mentioned, um, it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, and we'll see who the first guy is and then what the domino effect is. But um, I cannot remember a time in recent history where there's so many number one running backs on teams that are now going to be available to go to another team the following year. Yeah, uh, Josh Jacobs, another guy, right? But I think you could also look in an example, right? So last year, uh, on a very cheap deal, the Houston Texans brought in Devin Singletary, who was going to be thought to be backing up Damian Pierce, right? And by the end of the season, you know, I want to say as productive a back as there was in fantasy down the stretch, right? He was a he was a vulture in terms of uh, touches in that backfield. And I, I, I got to say, towards the end of the season's last seven to ten weeks, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure Devin Singletary ranked somewhere in the top ten in terms of fantasy production um, uh, for last year was. And, and again, a very, very cheap contract that he was signed to. I mean, what happened with that Texan backfield last year, who could have predicted that one? First of all, Pierce was coming off a pretty good rookie year. Um, he did what was projected of him. He runs hard. Uh, he was physical. And when the season started, it was kind of like, I don't know, it felt to me like it was 60-40 Pierce, and then it kind of evened out. And then it was just where Pierce was just coming in when Singletary needed a break. I mean, Singletary was getting everything. But what makes the Texan situation so, so interesting? Maybe it's the number one team that I'm looking at is, one, they've proven that they are a serious contender and a playoff team and a team with a bunch of young players that could get better. Two is when you look at the, 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 the salary cap space, well, uh, they're in the top 10. They have like over $67 million of cap space. And number three is you got to get the feeling that Pierce feels like he's kind of on the outside looking in and Singletary himself is an unrestricted free agent. So, I'm really keeping a close eye on what the Texans do because you get the impression that they are um, a really, you know, they're one three down running back maybe from being a team that can contend for the AFC championship with that young, talented roster. Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you look, we've talked a lot about the AFC last year, and I think we got surprised a little bit as the season went on because, Kansas City wasn't as strong, you know, so many of the injuries. Um, Lamar Jackson certainly rose to the occasion, but Joe Burrow was out, for example. Uh, the Bills struggled for a lot of the season before that impressive stretch to finish out. Um, 
But yes, I think you look at the, they have the benefit, the, the Texans have a distinct benefit of, of their young talent. Uh, first of all, he hit two home runs in the draft last year. Uh, Nico Collins, third-year receiver last year. They'll be thinking about that contract next. But they have the big benefit of, as you said, young stars uh, and the ability to spend some money as a result. I think Green Bay kind of folds into that as well, but they'll have to make some decisions on Justin Love kind of go, going forward. Um, th- those are two of the more younger and impressive rosters, I think, in the NFL right now, looking at, at those particular teams and, and the benefit of young players that are extremely productive. Yeah, so let's get a little, just a little specific about when it comes to the Texans. I, I feel that the Giants are not going to pay Saquon Barkley um, that money that he's looking for. And I just feel the Texans um, are just a prime candidate. You know, he's just the perfect fit for that team. So when you're looking about potentially, you know, bringing Singletary back, and obviously you're going to have to pay him a lot more money than he was paid, uh, and then the rest of those players on the on the list. Is there a standout guy? Walkley, Jacobs, Eckler, Henry, Swift, Pollard, Antonio Gibson, uh, and as I mentioned, bringing back Singletary. Is, is there a guy in that list that stands out to you that you say, "Wow, that's that's going to be a real upgrade there"? Yeah, I would say Barkley. For me, it would be Barkley, uh, Jacobs, and Henry. Uh, I know Henry's got. The thing with Henry is that there's more miles there, right? Granted, the player generally is held up well, but we know we've talked about, and, and, and Derek Henry is 30 years old, uh, whereas Barkley's not. Barkley, to me, um, in the right situation, uh, would, would flourish, and we know that you know the Giants weren't exactly uh, an impressive team when it came to their offensive line. I thought the Texans' offensive line uh, was much improved this past year, but I, I think, that, I, to your point, Barkley or Jacobs, to me, would be perfect fits there. And you know, the other thing, if you look at the very, very top of the unrestricted free agent tight end list, it's Dalton Schultz. So I feel like they could take a step backwards if they don't re-sign him. But he's clearly the number one unrestricted free agent tight end over, you know, Hunter, Hunter Henry and Font and guys like Gusecki and Gerald Everett. So um, do you think that will be a priority? Every good young quarterback needs to have a guy like Dalton Schultz to throw the ball to. So do you think they'll be able to re-sign him uh, as well as bringing one of those running backs you mentioned? Yeah, so now, you know, he spent his life in Texas as a pro, right? Spent the first few years in, in, in Dallas, and, and now he's moved on to Houston. So the likelihood that you could get a little bit of a quote-unquote hometown discount might might be alluring. Uh, the fact he's gotten, you know, he's, he's entrenched in the, in the geog- geographical area. Uh, they do have a, a speedy guy who's more like a receiver than a blocker, and that's Brevin Jordan. You know, he showed off some wheels uh, late in the season with a couple of big plays. But, um, yeah, I would think that would be a priority too. And I think, you know, for a young team to have kind of veteran leadership, and I think Schultz kind of, embodies that, I think uh, it would be an important thing for them to re-sign Dalton Schultz. And um, another team, you know, that's in that top 10 list of, cal- of, of that's going to have salary space is, believe it or not, the Detroit Lions. And yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I really feel like they need to be looking on the defensive side of the football. Um, when you look at the Lions, Obviously, they have cap space in in the top ten. Where do you think their priority is? Because to me, it just sticks out like a sore thumb that um, interior line. 
Uh, maybe another pass rusher to put with Hutchinson. What, what stands out to you uh, when you look at the Lions and what their needs are going to be kind of this offseason? Uh, when I look at what happened in the final kind of five or six games, almost every single number one receiver, save the San Francisco 49ers actually, uh, was able to dominate. There was a stretch there where um, C.D. Lamb went off against them. Justin Jefferson went off against them uh, at the end of the year. And I think the back end is where they're going to want to add somebody. And there's a couple of very, depending on what happens on franchise tags, a couple of very talented secondary guys that are going to be out there and available. Uh, I would agree with you. Another another rusher would, would be helpful. But, you know, Detroit, again, beneficiary of really strong drafts. Um, having some success there and being able to, you know, pay their really top, I, I, you know, in a few years is going to be a problem when Penny Sewell comes up and Gibbs comes up and Amon Ross St. Brown's contract comes up because that's that's coming. Uh, so this is your time to kind of pounce on it, and I would agree with you. So, someone to match up on the end, and again, for me, it, it's someone on the back end of this defense uh, that can provide some stability against some of these uh, premier uh, passing teams, especially the number one receivers. Yeah, and the, yeah, I agree, I, I agree with that. And there are some terrific players on the defensive side of the football that are unrestricted, unrestricted free agents. And, and I guess when we get to, you know, individual team needs and start talking about that, um, we'll get into that. But the other team that is so intriguing to me because of they have everything going on are the Chicago Bears. They have over $80 million in cap space. They have the number one overall pick. They have the number nine overall pick. Um, they could do a myriad of things with those picks. Their defense in the second half was a completely different defense. Um, they they were playing well. And I like what I see from the Bears. And between the cap space, the picks, and potentially trades, um, there's a real opportunity for the culture of the Chicago Bears, which has kind of been a laughing stock for a while now, to really change things around. And maybe even above the Texans and Lions, I'm really looking what the Bears are going to do with this cap space and draft capital. Yeah, so I think I, I think you correctly articulated the, the fact that Houston and Detroit, because of their uh, what they did last season and the fact that they're in the top 10, those teams were very worthy of mentioning in terms of cap space. The rest of the teams were like the Titans, the Patriots, you know, Washington. There's tons of work to be done there. None of those teams have a quarterback answer at the moment. So Chicago is is probably the next most intriguing team. I'm glad you brought them up. You know, Fields has been a topic of conversation where he's going, Atlanta, Pittsburgh, uh, staying in Chicago, which I think he would like to. Um, I, know, I know his... Uh, I know DJ Moore, his, his number one receiver, would like him to stay there. But, you know, by, by all accounts, it looks like they're going to go in a different direction. What they end up doing, how they end up trading. Do they, do they actually draft the second quarterback and then figure it out afterwards? That remains to be seen. But as you said, this defense really came on. The sweat trade was a big one. Uh, they have a young secondary. Um, I, I, I was, they were very, very competitive. And I thought for the first time in his career, there was a little bit more consistency um, by Justin Fields, who's just 10 and 28 in his career. You know, the first two years, kind of a mishmash of a roster, and and he didn't play well. And I know you're not crazy about his decision-making, and I think, you know, the Bears are going to have to figure out which direction they go in. But the fact is, they have the ability, like you said, to really improve this roster. 
in, in a lot of different ways and be very competitive in what's going to be an extremely competitive division. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's going to be uh, one or the other in terms of with what they do with Caleb Williams. If they take Caleb Williams and trade fields to Atlanta and Pittsburgh seem like the obvious um, two, two picks is then what they really need to do at that point is um, address and they can do it because they have cap space and they have draft capital is get him a second elite wide receiver, which you can do uh, and, um, and use that cap space to really shore up and try and, get as many quality offensive linemen as you can. So between the draft, between the cap space, um, and if they make that trade, um, that, that's what I think the Bears are going to address. But I was really liking the way that defense, they were very, very competitive um, the last half of the year. And think about it was, you know, when you they have the first pick and they have the ninth pick, right? That, the, the way that worked out last year if for that trade for D.J. Moore where they swap picks with Carolina and Carolina ends up being the worst team in the NFL and as a result, they, they, get, they get that pick. You, you couldn't have scripted it any better for the Bears. Yeah, and if they, no, I have that 100%. That, that couldn't have worked out better with the team that they traded. Uh, and, you know, if the Bears make the decision that they're going to stay with Fields, which I don't think they're going to do. But if they, if they did, there is a lot of maneuvering to be done. There are a bunch of teams that would want to move up to that number one spot, including um, the, the commanders from from pick two, uh, because they would want to beat anyone to the spot to get to that number one spot. So you would see a scenario where if the Bears decide they're going to stick with Fields, they can just move down a spot, get – let's say a Marvin Harrison Jr. at number two and have the number nine pick and get more picks from the commanders. So this is going to be like we were talking about a real organizational, um, you know, the rubber is going to meet the, meet the road here with this draft for the bears. And, uh, yeah, cause conceivably the, the bears can walk has a real chance to go up. The bears can walk out of here with the best receiver who they deem to be the best receiver in this draft and the best lineman who they deem to be in this draft. That's a, there, there is a possibility that they can do that, right? Uh, you know, depending on how things shake out trade-wise. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. so to your point, those are, the, those are the tough decisions that need to be made. And, you know, it is remarkable, Liz, because you, know, you think about it, average lifespan NFL player is somewhere around three, three to four years, right? So, you know, these guys are th- – this is – there's a narrow window for these guys to be successful. Most of these guys only live under one contract, right? You know, we see so much inconsistency when it comes to draft and performance, right? Like, I mean, it's a it's a 50-50 shot. How many busts have we seen only recently, right? Just especially at the quarterback position, which, by the way, the quarterback position is going to be extremely busy this offseason as well, Wiz, because you had over 60-somewhat quarterbacks start this year, all of the injuries that took place, teams are going to take a really, really important step in making sure they have a solid backup. And you've seen the comments from Woody Johnson. Uh, you know, Zach Wilson will be moved. Uh, there's rumors that he's potentially the Rams have an eye on him, which would be an interesting landing spot given Stafford's age and, 
and and the, and landing in in that kind of offensive situation. But you know that's another thing that we're going to have to be watching in this offseason because backup quarterbacks became such a big part of it, and there's a lot of free agents there as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was something that we talked about before the season started, and it, it, the player became much, much more important um, than we originally thought. When we were talking about Gardner Minshew, we were just saying how great it was if he had to play a few games before Richardson was able to get in there, being in that building, being a mentor. But yet, we never even thought what was going to happen, and Richardson got hurt, and Gardner Minshew, you know, one drop pass or one slightly off throw from getting the Colts in the playoffs. Uh, that was, uh, that was, that was incredible. Yeah. So it is important. Uh, injuries are going to happen. Uh, Minshew has shown the ability to lead a team, uh, multiple times now, uh, when given the opportunity, I think he'll be very select in terms of where he ends up and whether Indianapolis brings it back. I don't know, but you know, his, his price just went up because he like, like, like was said, uh, he nearly brought them to a playoff spot and they, they really didn't, you know, lose too much as a football team. Uh, they nearly got to the playoffs as it, with with a solid solid performance from a backup quarterback. And I think uh, you know we looked at what Jake Browning did last year. I don't know what's going to happen to Sam Donald, for example. We talked about Zach Wilson. There's just, just so many guys out. Joshua Dobbs, who won a number of games last year. Um, you know, the Giants are going to have start a season, for example, with Daniel Jones most likely not starting the season. So they're going to have to make a decision who they're going to put in that building. So, yeah, this is – I am very, very intrigued. To, you know, again, we get the first glimpse of things next week with the beginning of the combine. But I am super psyched to see what transpires come, come that second to third week of March where uh, free agency really kicks off uh, uh, in, in, with, with a lot of excitement about what teams are going to do for the coming season. Yeah, that's right. And then the only other position we really haven't touched on was, was wide receiver, where Higgins was franchised. Pittman looks like he's going to be franchised to sign sign a deal. But the, the two or three guys that are going to be available, Mike Evans looks like there's a, a chance that he's not going to be able to work things out with Tampa Bay. Calvin Ridley, like Gabriel Davis, Hollywood Brown, those are like the three or four guys. More, more so the first two guys were Evans and Ridley can, I guess, be difference makers in terms of um, making a good team, a great team, um, and and giving an extra piece to a team that they're missing. And Kansas City comes to mind. Um, Just not having a different guy or a second guy at wide receiver other than Rasheed White. So uh, what what are your thoughts on just those few receivers, Evans, Ridley, Hollywood Brown, and Gabe Davis? So I'd say Davis, by all accounts, seems to be somewhat underappreciated because of what he does in in the run game and his blocking, right? And I think we can talk about from a fantasy perspective, uh, a complex player that kind of disappears from two to three games at a time, but, you know, then he comes up with some big games. I think he'll help help a team that really wants to emphasize that, you know, Baltimore could be a place where where that would be a good fit, where where they're trying to run the ball a lot and have that blocking receiver. But Gabe Davis is going to command some interest. There's no doubt about it. You know, Pittman. It, I think it would be very smart for for Indianapolis to bring him back. He he just had a really really good season, um, and I don't think you want to let that player go. Mike Evans is a tricky one because 
that is going to come down to, it looks like Baker Mayfield is going to re-sign in Tampa. I know they had good chemistry last year, but they have the young kid Winfield in the secondary that I think is going to be the player that gets franchised. And, you know, what's that mean for Mike, Mike Evans, who's definitely getting up in years, but he spent his entirety of his career in, in Tampa Bay. So Ridley could cost uh, a draft pick for, for Jacksonville, depending on how that also shakes out, right, with that. So there's a lot to be said, but Kansas City is certainly going to be in the market for someone who's going to be more consistent because we know Travis Kelsey's not going to be there forever. Rice stepped up this year, but the rest of that receiving core has some issues. So I expect a veteran name to be added here in some way, shape, or form uh, for the Chiefs' upcoming season. Yeah, that's going to be interesting, something to keep an eye on. Uh, Kansas City, interesting decision. Maybe it may come down to a choice between paying Chris Jones or paying Mike Evans. Can they figure out a way to, to do both? I, I, I don't know. Because they have also, like, the Chiefs but, also have a Legereus Sneed issue too, right? That's a player that, yeah. that's got to be re-signed too. So, yeah. But Mahomes has been very clever in the way they've restructured his contract a number of times. They, they jokingly call it the Bank of Mahomes in, in Kansas City. And that, and that's, you know, he's continued to kind of defer money uh, to a later date. Uh, he's making so much money uh, off the field. So he, he has that ability to do that right now. Yeah, I mean, Kansas City is very aware. They probably have the best self-awareness of any team in the NFL. When they got swamped by Tampa Bay in that Super Bowl and they could not block, (laughs) Kansas City made sure through free agency, through the draft, that that was never going to happen again. And it has not been a problem since, even with some injuries um, and, uh, and, and other things that offensive line has been a priority. So they're probably going to look at this past season and probably realize that they need someone to help them make some explosive plays down the field. And uh, I'm sure they'll address this uh, in one way, shape, or form. The the most amazing thing, and I agree, was uh, the most amazing thing about the Chiefs, right, with all their success, they are always picking at the back end of these rounds, right? So you think about how well they've done in these drafts where they're picking 31st or 32nd in each round, right? It's just unbelievable. They have Brett Veach's hit on so many guys. It's just unbelievable. So, you know, credit credit to that scouting uh, team and the and the GM there, which, uh, you know, have done a remor- remarkable job of uh, bringing in really good talent, um, despite the fact that they a disadvantage uh, uh, in the back end of those drafts, right? And one other thing about Pat Mahomes is not only is he the best quarterback in football, the best player in football, and is in, in right now the argument to be the greatest quarterback of all time, but he's a scout as well. I mean, yeah. well, people yeah. forget that last year he started this thing. I don't know if it was last year or the year before he started, where he's throwing the ball and all these receivers who are coming out have a chance to go work out with him, and a bunch of them did, and he is the one that told Andy Reid, out of the guys that we have a potential chance to get, we have to get Rasheed Rice. Yep. And uh, and he understands and knows what he's talking about. So I wonder if that trend is going to continue where you see Mahomes on the ball and the NFL really can't do anything about it, just nope. you know, having workouts and guys want to – Work out with other guys. There's nothing they could do about that, and uh, we'll see. We'll see how that looks again. But as you and I always do, um, if Kansas City is interested in an offensive player in the draft, 
uh, come the following fantasy football season, we're interested. In yeah, the no, no, no doubt. And by the way, you, you know what else happened in the in the Senior Bowl last year was that same thing happened with Houston, where C.J. Stroud told the Texans, "You got to go draft Tank Dell." <laughs> yeah, well, he, people forget that he, oh. you know, how how dynamic, yeah, he was. And uh, oh yeah, look, Nico Collins was a good player, but. Um, the talk of the town and the stats week after week in week out was tanked out for a good four or five weeks uh, of the season before he got hurt. And what a stupid play. Oh yeah. You have a 185 pound wide receiver closing in on a goal line rushing play. Stupid. Just take your fifth receiver and put him out there. Just uh, whatever. Yeah. But um, Ridiculous. it is what it is. And, and by but, the way, Wiz, uh, you know, you think about it too, because there's a number of big yeah. games that Noah Brown had, but he also had injury problems. Those, those guys were hardly ever healthy together. The three of them. You know, Noah Brown, very true. you know, Brown, Dell and, and Collins, I want to say they probably, they probably played five games together last year. Yeah, that's probably, that sounds about right. Cause, um, when Dell was healthy, Brown was hurt. And then when Brown came back, uh, tank Dell, uh, was out. Yeah. So, so just, just, just wacky stuff. So, yeah. So, uh, this was a lot of fun. I, I, I do want to add one more thing Wiz, and, and, and this has kind of changed the draft a little bit. I just, I, I know you watch college football a lot more than I do though. I do watch a lot more than I used to, but you know, this whole, I, I was reading this and this, the fact of the matter is this nil situation in college football where you have players in college making more money than pros, i.e. Arch Manning making more than Brock Purdy. Um, but someone was selling me, someone was telling me this upcoming draft where last year there was a hundred underclassmen in the draft and this year there are only 60. And that is because these guys are making money staying in school, believe it or not. Uh, I was just curious, uh, you know, on your opinion on, on, on that topic. Here's my opinion. It may not happen this year, but it's going to happen very soon where you're going to see a top five pick, maybe even a top, the number one overall pick say, I'm not happy with the potential teams that are going to choose me. Uh, no problem. I'll come back to college football and uh, Caleb Williams is doing all of these Wendy's commercials, all of these making all kinds of money. And, you know, if the guy felt, uh, and you'll see a situation, I believe, down the road in the not-too-distant future where the player and his family just say, don't pick us. We're not, we're not coming there. We'll go back to college, and uh, they're going to kind of force their hands as uh, do kind of things that um, mentioned uh, Manning, what kind of Archie Manning uh, guided Eli to do. And, uh, yeah. and um, you, you may see, you not may, you will see that to your point, um, because of the money and these college players are just being paid so much money. And if they don't feel the team that picks them is going to help the trajectory of their career, um, they're going to go back to college. Yeah. And we can have a bigger discussion because it impacts other sports too. We're certainly, there's so much talk about WNBA players and what they get played, right? Uh, What they get paid, you know, these, (laughs) Somebody like Angel Reese, for example, she's going to stay in school and make more money, right, doing that than she's going to make in WNBA. So, yeah, it's a, it's a wild time. It's a wild time in college sports. I think your point's well taken. I, I, we hadn't talked about it before, but I did want to get your opinion. So it, it is something that we're going to be watching. So, yeah, so this was a little bit different spin uh, in terms of what we typically do. But, again, you and I are preparing for the 2024 season. And, uh, 
you know, when you we've discussed this and joked about it before, but if you think you're going to pick up a magazine sometime in in, in August and you're going to contend uh, in, in fantasy football, <laughs> the answer is probably going to be no. Uh, and uh, you know, we enjoy it. We like the game of football. We like everything, the nuances around it, the strategy around it, the salary stuff, the, the combine. But I think uh, for 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 people that want to be serious about it, yeah, you you want to start paying attention early. Yeah, I. Yeah, agree. Agree with that 100%. All right, Wiz. So good stuff. Uh, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, you know, we'll be doing some stuff sporadically as we uh, kind of head into, you know, through the combine and uh, into free agency. Uh, so be on the lookout for those. Hopefully, you're subscribing. Uh, Wiz, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Uh, so make sure you're listening. So have a great day, everybody. Wiz, see you soon. You got it.